Chigoe, an only way podcast series focusing on current matters in the Mi'kmaq community. Gwe, Akjalasi, Delawisi Sean Doak. Hello and welcome. My name is Sean Doak. I'm a proud member of the Lennox Island First Nation and communications officer with Ulnaway. I'm your host, and today I am joined by Chief Darling Bernard of Lennox Island First Nation. We're going to be talking a little bit about the new proposed uh, National Park Reserve, Biduumgeg, and I'm just so thrilled to have you here today, Chief Bernard. It's, uh, it's really great. Thank you for your time. Well, thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here to talk about our new park, Biduumgeg. So... The first question I have is uh, for maybe people who don't know or they've heard a little bit about it but they don't um, quite know what's going on. What is Hog Island, or as it's now being referred to, Biduumgeg, uh, and where is this located in Epigwit? Okay, so Biduumgeg is located on the north shore of Prince Edward Island on the backside of Lennox Island First Nation. Right. So it's a, it's a natural sand barrier, and it's called Biduumgeg. And that means like the long sandbar, you know. So um, our ancestors um, went there. You know, it was a place, it was a sacred place to go, but it was also like almost like a social place to be, Mm. right? So there was like a, I I often um, refer to as a smorgasbord, right? Right. You know, because of all the natural resources that are there, the... um, the, the shellfish, uh, the berries, uh, all those kind of things like wild potato and peas and things that our elders like speak about. And I've experienced that as a child. I remember going over to Sand Hills on a dory with my grandparents. I was brought up with my grandparents. So I would go over there with them and they would be harvesting. You know, you'd see them walking along the shores and picking up all kinds of different things. And, and elders will talk about how they would come back then to the gathering area they would make the tea, uh, you know. Right. Yeah, you know, they'd have tea, and then they would have, like, different uh, foods all together. So they'd cook it all in a pot, and then they would share it to, with everybody that was there. And I firmly believe, too, that, like, as our people travel throughout Mi'kma'ki and into, like, the other areas, like, farther away, like, because our people didn't just have small little canoes. No. <laughs> we, had, we, had, we had seafaring uh, vessels that yep. took us all over the place. So we took our wares and we went and we traded with other uh, First Nations all over Turtle Island, right? Mm-hmm. So we were a happening place. So I think that when people were traveling like from one area to another, they would st- often stop by at Bedumgeg to have tea right. in this area because there is archaeological evidence that there was a place there where, you know, there would be tea gathered and uh, there was certainly mounds of shellfish and different things that the First Nations were um, harvesting mm-hmm. for sustainability, like, right? Yeah. So really when we talk about Bedumgeg, it's not like, it is a... Um, it's the Mi'kmaq, how do we say that, the landscape? Mi'kmaq um, heritage landscape. Yes. yes, so it is a Mi'kmaq heritage landscape, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that it's always been there. It's always going to be there if we protect it. Yeah. And I have to always say, when I say protect it, I think people think, oh, God, it's a secret. You know, we got to keep that secret. We can. <laughs> nobody's you allowed. Know, nobody's allowed to go over there because it's so sacred. But when I talk about protecting it, I talk uh, it, to me. It's about protecting it so that we can go there. Right. That we can continue to go there and and harvest and and you know Gather our cultural. Yes, yeah. all of our cultural practices can still happen there, right. but it would be done in a way that we're making sure that we're not disturbing anything. Mm-hmm. And I know that once it becomes a national park, visitors 
from all over the world are going to want to visit our wild, you know, our wildness there because it's like the, the last wild space on PEI, right? right. So people want to come and see that. They want to see what's been there th- for thousands and thousands of years, and we want to make sure that for future generations that they can come and see that, our mm. people as well. I think it's important that everyone understands that when we do this, like there's there's work to be done, right? It's not just like it's going to be there. There's, there's a lot of work. A lot of work because we're, we're talking about it as a joint project, right? We want to co-management, manage mm-hmm. it with uh, Parks the federal Canada. federal government, yeah. Yeah, so by by being a part of the co-management, and this, we started talking about this many years ago, like about this park idea, This has right? been in the works for a long time. For a very long time, and when we first started talking about it, so we started to look at other examples around the world, so and around the country. So you have Torngat Mountains, right? Yes. You know those, and uh, Haida Gwaii. I know Haida Gwaii. And Haida Gwaii is the one that kind of like strikes me all the time because of their um, the model that they use was very much a co-management model, right. and it really takes into um, consideration the. Um, the position and the principles of the First Nation, mm. like about uh, New Dugalumk, yes. only take what you want, like what you need. Exactly. That's New Dugalumk, right? Yeah. So that's a part of our, um, it's a part of who we are, our traditions in a way that we would harvest. Yeah. So I think those are all great things. And I think that we have to help islanders, all Abiquitoa, to understand that, mm-hmm. that that was like our ideals. And it goes into everything that we do, you know, like when we, when we harvest um, food. Yeah, it's in our everyday life. Yes, it yeah. is. Yeah. And I find with First Nations people, like, we we always think that way first before we think of, like, the big, let's make all the money. Yes. <laughs> it's always like, okay, well, how are we going to sustain this? What kind of impact you am know? I going to leave? Is yeah. there a footprint that I'm going to be leaving, you know? Yeah, all yeah. of that stuff is what we think about. But there's also an economy. in, in Like, I always say there's a green economy there. Right? right, that's By keeping it green. And uh, certainly, like, we want to, to look at building capacity to be able to fill those roles for Parks Canada, mm-hmm. right? We want to have our people go there, and if there's going to be a guide, then it should be a Mi'kmaq guide, right? Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the economy of it. Mm-hmm. Um, if there's going to be teachings or things like that, well, it's got to be the Mi'kmaq that are going there and, and teaching and talking about our sacred burial ground that's over there. Right. And that's extremely important. It is. That that be protected and that it be people be educated on it. Mm, it's a very sacred place. Oh, it's a very sacred place, mm-hmm. yes. And what kind of capacity is, is there, I know you talked about building capacity in the community so that we can really, we have the skills and we have the resources to help co-manage this. Is there anything that, that Lennox or the, the, the Epiquit communities are working on to have people who would be able to fill those positions? Absolutely we are. Like, I think that just by having people working in the national parks that are on PEI right now, we're gaining capacity that way mm-hmm. because they're being a part of how, how, it's, how it's done. Um, but as well, like, you know, when it comes to a park, you have to have guardians, you know, or park rangers or things like that. So one of the things that I had said to Parks Canada, and I think they took it quite to heart, was that, you know, you may not need a guardian or a ranger right now, but you're going to in a few years, so you better start working with us now to develop that capacity within our community because I firmly believe that it needs to be the Mi'kmaq mm-hmm. who are the visual, like mm-hmm. who are the face of this, yes, right? Yes, visually and present there. Visually present, but also being a big part of like the development of the park mm-hmm. and how people will access the park. Like in all different seasons, like it's not just a, a one thing in the summer. There's all kinds of things that can be done, 
you know, to visit the park and, and things like that. So lots of work to do. Lots of work to do. <laughs> but it sounds like lots of work's already being done and yes. underway. Yes, and there's been a lot of work. We've had, like, uh, like the negotiators on the park to come out to see it, mm-hmm. like to see the lands and talk to the First Nations people just to have mm-hmm. a better understanding of how much it means to us. Mm-hmm. Because it's one thing to say, oh, that's special land. Right. But to hear from the people and the, and the people who've always been there. To and, see it, to feel it. Yeah, to right. get there, and, and yeah, uh, I went there with them, and I remember, like, being there, and it was just, like, so calm and quiet and beautiful, and that's what we want to preserve, right? Mm-hmm. We have the long, white, sandy beaches, and the only difference is that there's nobody on it. Right. It's so private. So there's a lot that can be done with, like, having visitors come there and spend the day there, mm-hmm. you know, by themselves even. And you still know? preserve the natural As integrity, right? Absolutely, it can be done. Mm-hmm. And our people have been going there for for centuries, like generations and generations and generations. And I think as long as we know that this land is sacred and that we don't leave anything behind, you know, and don't be taking anything. Right. You know, and that's a big part of a national park. I know every time I go to a park somewhere, you always get the signs that say, you know, don't take anything, don't yeah. leave anything, <laughs> I, <laughs> you know. I love that. And I love the saying, I've often, I've read it before, it's, take nothing but photos and leave nothing but footprints. And I think that applies. That's absolutely great. I love that. Yeah. 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 I think it applies in this situation. It sums it up very nicely. And I think that's that's what our people have been about for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And the Sandhills, like I heard so many stories about a long time ago, like even how the people would even bring our ancestors there when they passed and how they did it. All of that stuff on Lennox Island, when, when visitors come, they come and they can learn something from our people. We can tell stories and then take them over. Mm-hmm. And then they can see where our ancestors are resting, if that's what it's, you know, if that's a part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it's really going to all look like, but I know that at the end of the day, we're going to be a big part of that. Mm-hmm. You know, the Mi'kmaq people of Prince Edward Island are going to be partners in this. And we've been the ones pushing for this because we want to protect that that sandhills, Badoomgeg. Yes. We need to protect it because it's also a natural sand barrier that protects our island from right. the ocean. Right. And if it wasn't for that, Lennox you know, Island I think, would be. Yeah. I think Lennox Island would be washed away. Right. You know, so, and we do have a lot of issues with climate change and coastal erosion. So I think that by protecting the park, we're protecting Lennox Island and 50 kilometers of Prince Edward Island. Right. Right? Because it goes all along Cascompeck and up that way. Yeah. So I think that by doing this, it's not just Lennox Island, it's all of like Western PEI kind of. Yeah. And I think that the Mi'kmaq, we have a duty. We are the stewards of the land. We've been the stewards of the land forever and ever and ever, and we still are. We have a very strong calling, I'll call it, mm-hmm. to to make sure that the land is kept good and, you know, that it's there for future generations. And I think that, you know, I want my granddaughter to run along the shore there with me in the background, Aww. you know, picking clams. Like, that would be my dream, and it's something that will happen, mm-hmm. right? It All will. I have to do is find the time and get her out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need to get out there myself, too, yeah. Yeah, but that's what we want. We want our grandchildren to be able to go there and run along the shores, you know, and see the clams and see the quahogs and all of those wonderful things, the berries that are there. Mm -hmm. There's not a lot of wildlife there anymore, but we do have um, some um, species at risk there, which are very important.
important too, right. and that's another reason why we have to protect this area. Yes. We have the piping plover, mm -hmm. and we have the little brown nosed bat. You oh. know, so those are like, and people might like, oh, what's so special about them? But they are very special, and that's why we say we're going to protect them. So you come and learn about them. Right. All right? of creation is special. All of creation. Every life is special, mm -hmm. and I think that sometimes we forget about their natural habitats when we're working hard to um, evolve and you know become industrialized and all of that eh? mm -hmm. but I think that with this is something that you know it's a it's a Mi'kmaq heritage landscape it's been that way for for hundreds and thousands of years we'll say mm -hmm. and uh, it, I want it to be like that in another hundreds of thousands of years so that my great 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 grandchildren <laughs> can come to Lennox Island and take a Take something over there. I don't know. It could be almost anything, a canoe, a kayak, mm -hmm. you know, anything like that for a leisurely trip over. Or it could be like a tour boat. You know, mm. we, like the band has aspirations in developing tourism packages, really? you know, tourism experiential packages. So mm -hmm. so we have like bannocks and clams and all that kind of stuff, right? So we're our, our people would would welcome people, and we would then work with them, like to show them how to, to do bannocks and, and you know, in the, in the sand, right. you know, go pick some clams maybe, do some artwork, mm -hmm. like make a drum, make, oh. you know, make a dream catcher or uh, a wooden flower, mm -hmm. you know. We want them to come and experience things because I feel that when people experience something, they take so much more away. And I think that now, like, the tourists... They want that. They do. They're looking for the experiences now. You mm -hmm. know, it's one thing to go someplace and just go and look for, like, trinkets to take home. Mm -hmm. That's that's the past. Yeah. Like, you know, when I travel, I want to go and see what makes this place so special. You experience like, that yeah, place. I want to go and experience it on the level of, like, the people. Yes. Right? Yeah. I think that's so great. And when I travel, I always come back with great ideas. You know, so I want people to come to our place and say, oh, wow, they had a really great idea. Yeah. Let's take that back and let's mm -hmm. make something really good and special out of this. Mm -hmm. So I'm a very positive person. Like I look at this as being, you know, an opportunity for the First Nations to really shine and show like who we really are as a people. Mm -hmm. And we are the protectors of the land. Mm -hmm. We are the Mi'kmaq. And I think that's so uh, that's so deep what you just said. And, and really this whole way, the Mi'kmaq have been leading this establishment of this proposed national park, the Mi'kmaq have been leading the way the whole way, right? Yes. Yeah, we were involved in it right from the start, and, you know, we were, were always looking for a way to do this. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, like, parks really want to be collaborative. They mm. really want to, to protect lands and, and, and special places, just mm. like we do. Yeah. So we have a common ground. We do. You know, with parks and their employees there. And I have to say, I have to put a shout out to Karen Jans, who I think is just a wonderful lady and who really is open-minded to the possibilities of how we can make this work for, for the Mi'kmaq and for all Abiquitawa. Mm -hmm. and, and for all Canadians all and Canadians. all people in the world who want to come. Yes, because it is for everybody, really. It is. It absolutely is for everyone. Mm -hmm. What does... We're going to get a little bit more personal here. What does Biduam Gag mean to you personally? Personally, ah, oh, <laughs> personally, I have, I think that some of my best childhood memories are over in the Sand Hills, 
going there with my grandparents, going there with my aunt and my uncle. Mm-hmm. Peter and Christina, they used to always go over there, you know, and so I would go over there, and I, I remember running through the, the sand and into the water and, you know, going up into the bushes there and eating blueberries, <laughs> and never was much for cranberries. They were a bit bitter, but I Me loved either. the blueberries over there. And, you know, you just would spend the day then just baking on the sand. Like, <laughs> it was such a relaxing time. It was such a time of care, being careful free mm-hmm. you know being away from a lot of the troubles that we might have had at home right. you know or at school yeah you know but in the summertime when we got away from all of that stuff and we got to get to the land you forget about then all that all that stuff kind of fades away mm-hmm. and then you just get close to nature and I think that that's how our people heal too like when we talk about how do we deal with intergenerational trauma how do we help our people to heal that's a part of it. It's getting back to the land. Mm-hmm. I firmly believe that. I do too. And I think that, you know, the more opportunities that we can build for our people to get back to the land, mm-hmm. it will help us to heal. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot coming down the pipes that we're going to have to really work hard to help our people get through mm-hmm. as we move forward. Yeah. So, but I think that this is, this is a wonderful thing to be happening. And I'm so happy because, like, I'm a leader right now. I'm the chief. It was something that we put forward. And I hope that by the end of my mandate that there will be a great big announcement saying that it's going to be a national park for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and then we can move forward that way. Yeah. So. And I hope I can, I can experience the place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, everyone yeah. has to experience Dumagek. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How will I, I want to ask this one because I think it is important and it and it kind of pertains to the next steps. How will the Mi'kmaq be involved in the establishment and and the management of this Bidouim Gag Park? Well, we are like we have looked at other models and how like you know it, um, the First Nations and the government were work together to co-manage. So co-management, I think, is a lot of things, right? So it's like okay, planning. Like, mm-hmm. how are we going to um, prepare the park? to be ready for visitors, and how are we going to do the interpretation? Who's going to do the interpretation? There's all the kind of things that have to be answered. But as far as I'm concerned, the Mi'kmaq are going to be there at the table making decisions on all of this stuff with Canada, right? So we're going to do it together. And I think that our part, our role, would be to uh, set the goals as well as to build the capacity of our people to be able to have um, the opportunities within the park, right? right? So those are like the guides, those are like the guardians Mm -hmm. or or the rangers or whatever they're going to be called, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's people that are also doing the research because we want it to be interpretive. Like, so we want people to understand. And one of the things that I think that this is going to help is to help the Mi'kmaq to be able to rediscover our own history because we've lost our history we have. We, through colonization, the residential school. We lost all of our history of who we are as a people. And I firmly believe that until we can recapture and reclaim our own history mm-hmm. so that we can share it with the world, it's only then that we can be fully proud of who we are right because I often say that you know when you know who you are and you're confident in who you are then you can stand up to the bullies Mm. right that's right but it's hard to when you don't even know your own history you know yeah no you need that confidence yeah Yeah. and we as leaders have to make sure that we're doing that like we have to get our history back Mm. we have to get it back into the schools it has to be People have to be talking about it. Yeah. Our language, our language has to be splattered everywhere. So that's why the name of this park is so important. It has to be a Mi'kmaq name. Mm-hmm. It can't be anything else. Mm-hmm. 
or else it's just not going to work. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I'm really excited about it. I think that our role is going to be huge. Mm-hmm. I think that all Mi'kmaq on PEI can be very proud of what we're, we're building here, mm-hmm. you know, and it's to, um, it's to have something so special um, that will always be here for our people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked what you said about, about healing and knowing who we are. Like, I think there's something very powerful in, in reconnecting with our roots, reconnecting with nature. I yep. think that that really will reveal to us what we've lost and, and what we should be doing mm-hmm. and, and share that with people. And this is the last question that I'll ask you. I know we kind of touched on it near the beginning, but what do you hope to see for Biduamgeg in the future? Okay, if I were to look maybe 50 years from now, <laughs> I always say like when I look at like people will ask me, you know, what do you see for your community, you know, mm. in the future? And I always say in 100 years from today, I see a thriving Mi'kmaq community who has like their, they know their history, mm-hmm. they're proud of their culture, they're practicing their language, the children know who they are, mm-hmm. where they've come from, and you know, we're thriving and all PEI is thriving. Mm-hmm. That's what I see. Mm-hmm. So when I look at the park, I see that as being a very big part of that, right. you know, because now we're going to be able to showcase like our people and how like we live there and the relevance and significance of that land to our people. I just think that it's a wonderful opportunity for for the for the Mi'kmaq to be a part of something that is significant and that will have a lasting impact mm-hmm. in our on our people. Yeah. And all people future. for that and matter. And all people. All people, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's what it's about. It's about sharing. And Mi'kmaq people have always shared, right? We've mm-hmm. always been a sharing people. Mm-hmm. So we do want to share. Thank you so much for your time today, Chief Bernard. I really appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to see you, and I'm, I hope we can do more podcasts together and speak together more. But thank you very much, Willalan. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Chief. To find out more about Ulnui and the Mi'kmaq rights reconciliation process, visit ulnui.ca.